May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't usually stop at garage sales, yard sales, except for when it's our neighbor across the street, that 102-year-old lady. I I go just because I want to say hi to her, but normally I don't because, well, I kind of think there's a reason that they're getting rid of it. Might not be worth all that much. But last Saturday, I was driving through a neighborhood and I came upon a a yard sale that was unlike any that I had ever seen. Instead of clothes and, and, and tools and toys all across the yard, there was one single table right up by the road stacked high with with wrapped and and looked like new they were new packages huge packages of of paper plates and and cups and silverware and aluminum foil and and that kind of stuff i was intrigued so i stopped and i i asked him about it and yeah i walked away from there with about 200 hefty sureply paper plates and some aluminum foil and and two of those big roaster pans not any of that at the moment, but I was pretty sure that that haul was worth more than the $10 I paid for it. But we don't always see what something's worth at a garage sale. Ask Deborah Goddard. I don't know if you've heard her story back in 1986. She was in London and she went to a rummage sale and and paid the equivalent of $13 for a piece of costume jewelry, this ring that she just thought looked fun, this huge gaudy stone on there. And, and for 30 years, she wore it around every once in a while because, hey, it was, it was fun. And then her mom got scammed, and they couldn't pay their bills, and they were afraid of losing the house. And so she took all of her jewelry into a local jeweler and was selling it piece by piece. And he was naming a price and, and giving it. And then he came across that piece of costume jewelry and said, I think you should probably get that one professionally appraised. She said, no, I got it at a yard sale. She said, He's like, no, get that one appraised. It wasn't a piece of costume jewelry. It was a diamond, 26.27 carats. Long story short, Sotheby's sold it for her, that auction house, for just shy of a million dollars. And suddenly, her bills didn't seem so daunting. Life changes when we realize the worth of what we have, especially when it's worth something. Life really changes when we see the worth of Jesus. In our readings today, people were not seeing Jesus' worth, right? Saul, the the persecutor, he didn't see any worth in Jesus. He saw an enemy there. Those sad disciples fishing in the boat, they didn't see who this guy on the shore was to them. He was just some random stranger yelling out fishing advice. And we, as we look at our lives, all too often we don't see the worth of Jesus and what that does to to change our lives. So Jesus shows up and he opens our eyes. He gets us to see his worth. For Saul, it was the gift of blindness and the miracle of baptism that opened his eyes. And suddenly, this new man, Paul, would do anything for Jesus because he was worth it. 
for those disciples, it was a demonstration of his power with that miraculous catch of fish. And instantly, as soon as it clicked for Peter, when he remembered who this was and what he had done, remember, this had happened before, that catch of fish thing. When Peter remembered, he jumped in the water to get to Jesus as quickly as possible because he was worth it. And for us, when we see his worth, it changes our lives. And we see it right here in his word, in the Bible. In what we do here, Jesus helps us to see his worth. Our text for today is from the Revelation of St. John, that last book of the Bible. Familiar with the kind of the story behind that book? This is a vision that Jesus gave to John, the, the apostle, when he was an old man, probably in his 90s. <clears throat> He's in exile on the island of Patmos, we hear. The church was undergoing horrible persecution. All the other disciples were long since dead, killed for their faith. It looked like they were losing. And now John here is separated from anyone that he wanted to help, right? Those, those believers in the churches that he was serving, he was in exile. He couldn't even help them anymore. And, and so Jesus shows up and says, I'm going to give you this vision to help you see what's really going on behind the scenes. It may look one way, but I'm going to open your eyes to see what's happening in heaven right now and what will happen here. And so in this section of Revelation, Jesus is showing John the throne room in heaven. And in chapter 4, all creation is worshiping the, the creator on the throne, the one who made them all with all that power, so they're worshiping him. And then John sees something that disturbs him. In the hand of the one on the throne is a scroll. It's got writing on both sides. And it's sealed all over. Seven seals are containing what's in there. Obviously something important. Obviously something that John really wants to know. But no one is found who is able to open the scroll. No one is worthy. And so John weeps. That's when an angel shows up and says, No, John, don't weep because there is one. There is one who is worthy to open the scroll. He says, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered and is worthy. <clears throat> and then John looks and sees not a lion, but a lamb. You see, both of those pictures, the lion and the lamb, are used over and over again in Scripture to describe the Messiah, to describe Jesus, our Savior. The lion, the one with all the power, the one promised to descend from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, but also the lamb, the one all those Passover lambs were pointing forward to, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And just before our text, John tells us why he was able to do that, how he was able to do that. I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing in the center of the throne. What's unique about this lamb? Looking as if it had been slain. And yet there he is, alive, being worshipped. The key aspect of this lamb is that he was slain. 
his sacrifice. That's what makes him worthy. And, and so then in our text, well, actually, he, he was worthy to open the, the seals. And actually, the next four chapters of Revelation talk about what he sees as he opens those seals, what they reveal. But we're not going to get there today. We don't want to miss, we don't want to pass by what these voices, what these powerful voices are saying about the Lamb. The Lamb is worthy. Look at verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. In other words, he's worthy of our worship in everything. Do you see that? Back when Jesus was here walking the earth, it didn't always look like he was worthy to receive all power and wisdom and wealth and strength and honor and glory and praise, right? All power is his, and yet, remember he was accused that he couldn't do anything except by the power of Satan? All wisdom is his, and yet, well, the message of the cross is foolishness to mankind. All wealth is his, and yet the Son of Man has a place to lay his head. For our sakes he became poor. All strength is his, and yet he couldn't even carry his own cross to Calvary. All honor is his, and I'm sorry, but I just can't help think of the scene before Pilate's soldiers as they are spitting on him and mocking him and driving that crown of thorns and and throwing that, that purple robe, mocking, Hail, King of the Jews! All honor, all glory is his, and there he hangs between two criminals on a cross. All praise. Humans decided him worthy of death. And yet all creatures in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them declare him worthy of eternal praise. And it's not just while he was here during those 33 years walking this earth that we see those paradoxes. Think about your own life. Does it overflow with his worship? I mean, think think about our, our public worship. The majority of these front seats are empty. Why? Is it humility? Is it insecurity? Is it a a Cheerio-chewing, diaper-filling child? Or is maybe our view of worship a bit blurred? People pay exorbitant prices to sit in the first couple rows at concerts where where maybe, just maybe, they could get close to their hero, their idol. And yet week after week, way too many of these chairs sit empty. Or how about our congregational singing? I think it's safe to describe it as, as somewhat restrained, right? What is that? Is it modesty? Is it maybe the fact that you don't know between a whole note and a hole in the ground? Or, or just that pastor picks really hard hymns? Or is maybe our view of worship a little bit blurred? 
I've known people who have lost their voices screaming at a, a, a sporting event. What if we realized how important the victory is that we celebrate here? What if we saw what happens here as Jesus facing off in the final four against sin, death, and Satan? Think our shouts of praise would be a little louder? Or even just in our personal lives, right? I mean, we all believe in Jesus. We we celebrated Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We know he died on the cross for our sins. He rose again to, to, to declare us victors. We know that the things that the angels and saints in heaven were singing about him are absolutely true, right? All power is his. Yet have you ever worried that whatever is happening in your life isn't being worked for your good? That, that's telling God he doesn't have the power to do what he says. All wealth is his, and yet isn't it a little bit hard to give of what we consider ours for his work like he tells us to do? All wisdom is his. Yet how many times do we follow our own will, our own desire, our own wisdom? Or even just view the study of his word, his wisdom as not worth our time? All strength is his, yet it's way too easy to get way too caught up in the things we build up for our own strength. Our, our finances, or firearms, our, our security systems, or social security. All honor is his. Yet too often we make decisions based on protecting our own honor instead of his, instead of following his will for our lives. And we hold grudges instead of forgive because that would make us weak. We let our eyes linger instead of keeping our hearts pure because, well, that's what we want. Time and again, we forget about his honor and think of our own. We gossip a bit as long as we don't look bad in doing it. All glory is his. Yet it's easier for us to talk about how good a piece of pizza we ate than it is to talk about how great our God is. And praise, well, we already talked about our worship woes. Do you think it's safe to say that we don't always see the worth of Jesus in our lives? That doesn't mean it's not there. In fact, that just draws us back to why he's worth it so much. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. He is worthy because he was slain, because he willingly took the opposite of all of those things for us. He took weakness instead of power, poverty instead of wealth. Instead of wisdom, they thought him foolish. Instead of strength, he suffered. He took shame and mocking and curse. Also that he could win that victory and give us heaven. 
with its power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Talk about a great exchange. He made us worth it. Because he considered us worth it to pay the price that he did for us. That's why verse 13 tells us every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them joined in this song of praise. Because now we see what he is worth. His resurrection proves it. Christ is risen. Deborah Goddard might not have realized how valuable her, her jewel was. But when she did, it changed her life. Friends, I pray that you realize how valuable your faith is, your relationship with the one on the throne who is worth it. Because when you do, it changes your life. Because Jesus is worth it. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.